and welcome to the Service Operations Podcast. I am your host, Satinder Kaur. Our guests are from different industries and functions. They will share their experience, strategies and the changing landscape to help you take the service operations of your business to the next level. Hi Anand, it's been a while that we were trying to get this kind of time and thank you for pairing your Sunday afternoon uh, for this uh, conversation. My pleasure, Satinder. Uh, and I'm looking forward to a very interesting and uh, you know wonderful conversation with you because that's the kind of career that you had. So, uh, you know, currently as a Chief Operating Officer of uh, Apollo Clinics, Apollo Dental, Apollo Sugar, so you tell us a little about this as well as, uh, you know, uh, your transition from the telecom industry to banking to healthcare. Even though they are service-based, they are quite different. Right. Yeah, so thank you, Satendra, for having me on your show. Uh, uh, it's been, uh, it's nice to connect back with you after many years. Uh, and, uh, you know, my story is uh, not really that exciting but uh, like you know all of these transitions happened uh, on their own rather they weren't planned right so uh, when i joined telecom that was really exciting days early days of telecom uh, spent about six years uh, doing sales and multiple types of sales in telecom mm. and then uh, you know moved to an organization where uh, i quickly realized that i wouldn't be able to do much right and and that's when you know i started to see if I could, uh, you know, use my talents elsewhere. And that's how banking happened. Uh, and uh, I must tell you that those 10 years with the bank were uh, some of the best times that I've ever had in terms of uh, learning, growth, achievement, you know, and uh, so many other emotions that are attached uh, with the bank. Um, and then, you know, healthcare happened, right? Uh, uh, and it's an interesting story, uh, I, you know, that I'd like to share with you of course. is, of course. Uh, so, you know, by God's grace, I uh, was doing reasonably well in the bank and really liked what I was doing. Um, and then suddenly got, you know, one of the days got in touch with a friend of mine. We started having a chat around startups and private equity and, you know, people wanting to invest and grow fast. Um, and that kind of piqued my interest. So, uh, through some way or the other, got connected with a few people in the private equity space, uh, and and you know they kind of came up with uh, an option saying that here's is uh, here's is a here is a medical services organization which is not a startup but a twenty year old organization, but we believe it's ready for disruption and growth and scale, right? And at that point in time, my understanding of healthcare was just hospitals. <laughs> there was nothing else. Hospitals and maybe pharma. Um, and then conversations happened, uh, you know, uh, and internal conversations I had with myself saying that, you know, uh, the success of professionals, uh, at least in my view, largely is, is also dependent on the organization and its culture and the brand, right? And and maybe a, a reasonable part, uh, or maybe even a smaller part, uh, is is because of the individual. And that got me thinking uh, to check and see if I could 
go out there uh, and work with not such a great brand name, which is fine, but try and see if I could, you know, stand up to myself, right, and 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 do this stuff myself, right, without necessarily having the backing of an extremely strong and powerful brand uh, 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 like ICICF, for example, or AT&T, for that matter. Uh, and so though that internal, you know, tussle whether to do this, not to do this, get out of your comfort zone uh, and try and do something which is uncomfortable. And it's not that, you know, there was, uh, I was happy doing what I was, uh, you know, and, and as you know, banking uh, is very interesting and it changes every year or two years, right, as we say. Right. Uh, so, you know, then I finally decided, I said, okay, let me just take that plunge, right? And uh, and that role was a role of, uh, of a chief operating officer, which is essentially doing operations, customer service, sales, uh, you know, all of it. Uh, and you were, you know, literally the second person in the company responsible for it, right? Yeah. You had a senior uh, promoter and then you were it, right? So <laughs> yeah, I took the plunge uh, uh, and, and I must say uh, it's been very challenging, but it's also been very fruitful. Hmm. Especially now, I think, um, I mean, you also went through the COVID period. Yes, that, like, that was... Uh, uh, that was completely a different thing and healthcare in, uh, particularly. That's been adventurous, <laughs> the true adventure. So, uh, so coming back, there is always this debate and discussion about being a generalist and a specialist. Now, you know, the kind of industries that you move, so telecom and banking. Now we say, you know, some things are common because they become common and, you know, the boundaries between industries have kind of blurred because of the digital environment uh, and technology, internet, because that's common across all. So what is your view on this whole thing about being a generalist and being a specialist? Because you've changed industries like, you know, uh, with, with a good amount of experience in each. So uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I was reading a book called uh, Range. Uh, and and I read it recently, right? And and it talked about uh, you know individuals trying. Uh, you know, it talked about Tiger Woods and it talked about Roger Federer and how both of them are on top of their game. Now, one started out with this whole clear view of that he wanted to become a golfer, right? And he started practicing. His parents, his ecosystem, everyone was geared up to support him in becoming a champ and he himself right uh, was clearly you know clear in his mind and then and and that's how he moved throughout his life through his adolescence and teenage years and he became the numero uno right and he continues to remain uh, in the top 3 in yeah. golf yeah coming back from injury coming back from personal issues he's still there and then they talks about the story of Roger Federer. Till his 30s, he tried his hand at every game, at everything. And he was reasonably good at everything. It's only post-30 that he kind of said, ah, okay, I like tennis. I think I'll you know, kind of start doing stuff here. And that's when I realized that you know, uh, some of the stuff that the book talks about, it says that, as human beings, one should, or even as professionals, 
one should explore one's range of of skills one should build a reasonable range of skills yeah right and in today's world it is even more relevant uh it may not have been 20 years back because uh, or even 30 years back when our parents uh used to work for an organization for their whole life right and if you talk about us uh you know more a large proportion of of us in our age group are also maybe one or two or three company lifers in a sense right or two company lifers uh but i think then you have another set of people who say that hey i want to kind of see uh if i can do this uh in another industry what is what more can i learn right and the biggest blind spot that you know some of us have who who think they're specialists and you know specialists is or who even think they're generalists is that we don't understand or we don't know what we don't know right so so we have that blind spot we say okay we're doing well in an industry uh and we're at we're, we're there so i think we're doing great right and and it may be possible that you're doing great but there is so much out there that you may or may not be exposed to unless you put yourself into that position so for me getting out from telecom to banking uh uh right they both are sales organizations uh, the, both the organizations that i worked for and and from there understanding i think both the organizations kind of helped me uh move from becoming a specialist or rather becoming a good specialist and then you know they gave me an opportunity to become a generalist as well uh right in in at least in one part of 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 the work that they had to offer and the work that i did and then at one level of generalism or you know if i may call it that's not enough the next level of generalism is therefore even wider right and that's where i think when i moved health to healthcare i quickly realized that healthcare was roughly 20 25 years behind banking in terms of its organizational capability in terms of its organizational thought process in terms of its talent capability right capability to to grow and and that kind of then allows you to or or definitely makes you put into action all the things that you've learned right in in a sales organization and because that's the base you need to fix first right the esoteric ideas or some innovation can come a little later so you've got to start from organization building right from ground zero or process building uh, not to say that everything is zero but in your mind it is zero right because you are used to a structured life in a professional organization and i moved from a structured professional board driven organization to a promoter driven organization in healthcare first right which had an investment from a private equity uh and that is a whole new ball game so i don't believe that either or uh, uh you know is the truth i think each one of us has to figure out our own truths but i definitely believe that it's important to have range it's important to build a range of skills across various industries uh because that is necessary for your own future growth right it makes you more uh appealing to other industries who are maybe today stayed maybe set in their ways but are you know maybe stagnant uh, may not be growing or may are, or are being disrupted uh, quite badly by uh, new age kids on the block new age company so 
unless you have a mindset which allows you to become a, from a specialist back to a generalist and allows you to move back to a specialist role for a particular period of time you will find it very difficult to to become as successful as you want to be right you may find it difficult and you may find it frustrating uh, to to do the things you you believe are necessary uh, for this organization's growth so i think it's it's you know i think it's important both sides right uh uh and and i think yeah 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 you're right so is it uh, uh, so i think in today's times if i if we just look at it it is the skills which are important so when you're talking about it's it's a managerial skill or it is the organizational uh, you know putting the organization together skill uh, which is more important because you can then apply that skill everywhere but the product per se i think is something that uh, uh, one is that of course you can have people who know understand the product better that's one and the second is i think it's it can be learned today whereas skills is something that you develop yourself and i think as a leader uh, you might be requiring more or less you know the data analytics piece and maybe bringing together people on the table i think those are the skills which when which one has Uh, which are general skills which can be applied to any industry i think that's true that's you are you're absolutely true you know what you're saying is absolutely true i think the skills of um, you know taking people along the skills of understanding them as separate individuals not as one broad brush it's easy to say uh, it's easier said than done but because you have so many biases as yeah. you grow higher and higher uh, and also the fact that you have to be physically on the ground to understand what's happening right uh, you can't the higher you go the more important it is that the more frequent your visits to the field must be in my opinion uh, that's, that's very right? interesting because so, uh, you know yeah yeah i love this uh, in fact i like this piece of service operations you know where uh, uh, where uh, you know the general impression and i think also reality having you know seen and uh, spoken to so many people that as the organization grows larger you know when you are in the very small setup everyone knows everyone we also know the customer very well but as the organization grows the distance between leadership and the customer actually increases so my next question to you logically and that's also what i had uh, noted you know was that how much of technology or what is the role of technology okay in getting this kind of information where in, when you are in you know larger structures or growing structures how does it help because one is you keep getting some information digitally and one is what you are saying on the ground piece so how does this work so uh, if i may rephrase your question you're asking how does leadership understand what's happening on the ground with respect not just to operations but to uh, customers feedback as well uh so i think here uh, it's very very important that the leader sets expectations with his team by his thought and his word and his deeds right uh, all of them have to be in sync and they have to be regular right so you can't say something at the beginning of the year in the aop and then then remember it 6 months later because it's not going to happen right people need reminders we all need reminders we're all humans right at the end of the day and we're all trying to do multiple things so this whole concept of multitasking has been taken to its death uh, i think we need to stop that and say we have to become multi skilled not multitasking because multitasking i think now 
it it works to a certain extent but beyond that you know you start getting uh, marginal returns so you have to find out how when is the place to stop and how do you make people multi skilled so that they can use their skills at different points in time doing everything together at the same time barring two or three activities really doesn't result uh, in any great outcome right and and you know over the years we've been spoken about multitasking and so on and so forth so one is you you have to communicate what you want second is you have to go on the field and show and tell right i mean if you remember the earlier days in sales people used to say you got to do joint calls what does joint call do yaar it shows you and dictates you your boss shows you how it is done and the the situation informs you what needs to be done right it is same for any industry or any operations or any kind of skill or work that you want your people to imbibe so you have to go there and show and tell right if you want certain things cleaned right you are a stickler for cleanliness right in healthcare i mean it's a given yeah, uh, that yeah, wasn't I, yeah my nobody used to really bother about that in the bank right i mean and their banks were generally clean right i mean the, but the sense of cleanliness the level of cleanliness and the attention to clean the detail of cleanliness is 10x 20x when you come to healthcare right so my own evolution of what is cleanliness has gone up 10x why because now i'm seeing it as the consumer sees it right so how do you explain that to your team members who have not uh, you know who may not be living in such a pristine environment in their own homes how do you how do you get that across so can you, you just uh, go, can you just give an example or be little specific about how you would do it it's very interesting because he one is to say but how do you how would you actually just uh, you know if you can think of some example yeah, yeah no no i i have something to say but i'm not too sure uh, you know whether it is, whether i should say it or not but but uh, so let me let me uh, you know say it right because i i believe in it right okay. so i've been talking about cleanliness and and i go to clinics and i check every nook and corner and i've been doing that since the time i reached uh, i joined about 8 9 years back in healthcare and i still do it today and every time i go there my first trip is to the to the lavatory to the washroom Yeah, right? I think that's like a, yeah, yeah, that, right? that's the most important. Right, and then and then and then I take a you know take a round of each and every clinic. Um, I go, I so we've got beds, right, which uh, which have bed uh, mattresses. So I lift up the mattresses and I put my hand below it and see if it's clean, see the bed sheets, all of that, right. And when you find uh, dust and stuff, you talk to your team and say, hey, this is not right. See, I found dust. Why don't you clean it, right? And and you do this for two, three times, right? In your visits, if you have gone right to the same clinic. Now, a lot of people, you know, take it up. A lot of people don't take it up. A lot of people have different views. A lot of people don't see the dirt only, right? Or or come up with various reasons. And the dirt may be very minuscule, right? It may the customer may not even see it. Yeah. But. Yeah. that's an assumption people make but if the customer wants to see it he can see anything he wants mm-hmm. and he does see is what i have realized he doesn't talk about it mm-hmm. if he likes your brand he doesn't talk much about it right but he does not like it so the fourth time when when i really went down and to the same clinic right and and i found the stuff was not the way it was supposed to be 
I took a broom and I started sweeping. And it came as a shock to my team. And I said, it doesn't matter. This is my clinic. I will clean. So I cleaned and, and they got embarrassed and all that jazz. But I said, okay, if you, you're feeling embarrassed, okay, you pick up stuff. Let's clean together. Mm. And I think more than anything, you know, I felt so uh, bad that I had to, you know, personally, right? I think that's important for leaders to feel. Yeah. It's, it's fine to talk, it's okay, you know, it's fine. You know, these guys are working so hard. But I don't think it's fine, right? So you, so I picked it up and with that, the team picked it up and then we spent a couple of hours cleaning the clinic, right? And I think that had some impact on the people. I, I, I would like to believe that. Yeah, yeah the word spreads right? around, right? It's not just one location. It's like, I mean, people right. talk and, and I, and I, yeah, and I, and I found that, you know, after that, I think a lot of change happened. Obviously, we have a long way to go, but I think... That's one part, right? And you make an example. But the other part is also to realize that these people are nurses, people who make 15, 20, 30,000. They don't live in houses where they have a maid coming and cleaning. They may not even be living in uh, where they have washroom facilities private. So for them, the concept is not natural. You have to also realize that and then put that into your training, right? Through showing and telling. Right, and it starts with grooming. So you, you, yeah, yeah, because that person may be staying in a two hundred square feet house, and he, that person comes to work every day. She's a nurse. She's taking care of everybody, of the patient, right? Or, or he's an X-ray technician. What do you do? So it's not easy for leaders. Uh, you know, so most of them take the gentle way out and say, "Oh, you know, I understand," but they don't take. Apart from the gentle way, they don't also take the way of teaching, which to my mind is, is, a very, is very challenging. The middle managers are the ones who take the brunt of either the juniors or the seniors, right? So it's very important to train them first rather than the staff, right? To kind of tell them that while you are gentle and kind, you also are here because the customer exists, right? If the customer didn't exist, you and I wouldn't exist. So it is important to do this. So... You know, some of these things I think is important for leaders and not just senior leaders. I would say uh, any who, any leader who's handling a, a few team members, I think hygiene, uh, operations, any type of operational hygiene, right, uh, uh, is, is necessary and important, you know, to get to the next level. Yeah. So now, you know, just coming to what you're saying, see, one is that you have a lot of physical presence. In fact, recently when what caught my attention was you opened a clinic at Andaman and Nicobar Islands, right? Uh, Port Blair. So uh, now the point, you know, now, especially uh, when you uh, are spread across geography, yeah, uh, there is a lot of localized uh, environment that exists. So every place has its own culture, its own set of people and different ways of doing things. So how do you ensure, uh, first of all, is it necessary in your kind of uh, setup and industry to have consistency in service? Uh, in, in the sense that, you know, if I go to a clinic in X place, should I get the same experience as I go to Y? Or is it that people generally don't, you know, they stay, uh, stick to a geography? 
so in healthcare uh, it's it's largely uh, consumer stick to a geography because either they are working or they are staying in a particular city but consistency is definitely important uh, when you are uh, you know running a brand with hundreds of clinics uh, right across the country across many cities so for us uh, i think one is a protocol driven approach which is not so not just service protocols right how do you greet the customer what billing systems do you use what data do you capture but also uh, the medical protocols which are the core of why any healthcare organization or an organization like apollo would exist right for that matter so you have to be aware of both right uh, and you have to teach people both so medicine uh, and healthcare uh, is is largely uh, a professional organization where you have doctors and and various professionals who have studied for many years uh, and who understand what needs to be done to either cure something or prevent something or manage uh, a disease right and they are a set of people who are very different they're like chalk and cheese right when i compare them to let's say operations managers right who will then run the clinic for you right so there is a lot of uh, you know a lot of employees non medical professionals in healthcare are attuned towards customer service already right they understand that a customer walking in is not coming because he likes coming to a clinic right he doesn't like it he has to come because he has no choice he's he's in pain right so so to treat each one of them uh, keep their voices low make eye contact talk to them guide them physically right there's you know there's this token system which is so prevalent in everywhere else uh, is unfortunately not so widely prevalent in healthcare but it should be right uh, so the employee team members are so much more moldable but uh the doctor fraternity has their own views so their job is to cure people and sometimes they spend 2 minutes with a customer sometimes they spend 10 uh, sometimes they talk lots and you know they make the customer feel so uh, like a family member sometimes they are very brusque they don't talk much uh now these are inconsistencies in service delivery at the medical doctor level right which is a big challenge because i'm not too sure and i don't really think that they can be standardized completely uh, like you would do with uh, with your employees banking or even but, banking and all there is more standard there's more standardization around but yeah. but i believe but what i'm seeing and i'm encouraged by what i see is that doctors are now over the last 5 7 years are accepting consumer feedback if it is given to them in a structured manner so at our organization 5 years back 7 uh, years back we had nps right uh, for consumer feedback for the clinic as a whole 5 years back we started nps feedback for doctors individual doctors get nps feedback and then me and my team used to conduct every quarter a meeting with all the doctors and talk about what consumers are saying about our service our brand which includes doctors behavior as well and it took us over 3 4 years to change the doctors perceptions we also helped and they also understood right it 
that customers don't like to be kept waiting for more than 10 minutes from their appointed time. Customers like to spend 7, 8, 10 minutes with the doctor. Customers like to speak and not be made to remain silent. And at the initial phase, doctors rejected this, saying, no, no, I know what's best for the customer. But and, and the word they used to use is patient, right? So when I moved to the industry, well, it's patient, 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 and I got tired. I said, he's not a patient here, he's a customer. And that I have seen that change. Their expectations from healthcare are now similar to what they would expect from any new, uh, any industry, service industry, whether it's a hotel, whether it's a bank, whether it's Swiggy. They expect that kind because their expectations have been, uh, you know, have risen because they're getting it from other industries. And they'd like the same in healthcare. And you and I can't say, and you and I and the doctor cannot say, uh, no, it's okay, you know, we'll do what we want to do. We have to change with the times and we have to actually be one step ahead. And that's where, you know, we've been able to kind of, to a large extent, mold the doctor's views get them to be more accepting of change and they have changed. Quite a few of them have changed. Yeah, yeah. Because as consumers also, they are changing. See, see, this is like, I mean, this has really happened very fast. Uh, the customers have changed. The, you know, the service providers have changed. And we, as not just as professionals, but even as, uh, you know, consumers, we have changed. So, you know, uh, the... Uh, the lines between industries have blurred so much that, you know, your Amazon becomes the model and Uber becomes a model and anything can become a model. If I get a blood uh, tested in the morning, so I expect, first of all, someone to come home because I don't want to go. Uh, If somebody comes home, uh, you know, takes my blood sample, then by 5, 5.30, I start looking at my phone for the report. You know, and if I don't get it, then I call, you know, the report hasn't come. And then I want the report in a particular way because we're so used to now seeing data in, you know, you want to actually um, get that kind of experience, you know. And what you're saying is also right. The person who comes to collect the blood sample is not as trained as somebody who's that senior. They're, they're nice people, but yeah, they need, they we expect that kind of interaction with them. So yeah, customer experience has uh, really changed uh, a lot as leadership of the healthcare, uh, you know, industry uh, that you are a part of, share to the extent that you can, what are the top three or four metrics that you track from that uh, customer service? So, uh, you know, we track quite a few actually, uh, right in healthcare, uh, earlier used to not track so many, but, you know, once you've been inducted uh, in the bank, uh-huh. right, uh, or in telecom, right, and Uh, So, so you kind of try and put as many as possible. But what I've realized here in healthcare is uh, you've got to put it uh, in paces, right? Uh, Because healthcare is not a sales organization, right? Unlike all other organizations. Healthcare is a healthcare service delivery organization. You cannot treat treat it like a sales organization and you can't make it like one. So, you have to be very conscious of behaviors which you may have found effective in your previous organizations. Uh, they will not work here. So you have to adapt. So uh, there are a few metrics that we do. Uh, One is the consumer-facing metric I mentioned is we do NPS on a daily basis uh, uh, and we do it through multiple channels. Uh, Now, through WhatsApp, through through automated phone calls, right? Uh, And then we take uh, not just for the clinic, but we also take it for 
uh, are doctors. So we do doctor-wise NPS scores. Uh, we also keep a track of what's happening on Google. So our Google ratings are an internal uh, important metric that all of us track uh, because that is also what consumers are saying on the public platform, right? And that's visible to everybody. So, uh, and it's important to manage that reputation uh, and that uh, part as well. Internally, we have a bunch of metrics on how the clinic should look and feel, uh, you know, around cleanliness, around hygiene, around uh, report TATs, right? Around health check TATs. So when you come in for a health check, uh, we want you to do X, Y, and Z uh, as quickly as possible. Uh, we're also trying to figure out ways to, you know, do health checks uh, partly at your house and then partly at the clinic because a typical health check takes uh, around three hours or so uh, on a regular day and maybe a little bit more. Uh, and we're trying to innovate and trying to find out if I, if I could do part of the health check at home uh, and just call you to the clinic for half an hour for your X-ray and USG, right? X-ray and USG uh, ultrasound and the rest can happen. Uh, blood can be collected by a, by a flavor thermist at your home. Uh, you could do a video call, consult with a doctor, you know, and all of that stuff happens and you get your reports online and, and then you do the consult. So uh, we also have, you know, a lot of internal metrics in terms of, uh, you know, how, how much time does it take for the reports to be uploaded. So not all reports are automated. Some are, some are yet to be printed, manual and stuff. So, you know, we have tags around that as well. How fast can the report go to corporate clients? Uh, you know, so we've kind of built a portal which allows the corporate HR to look at how many people walked into any of our Apollo clinics today for a health check, right? So it's like a show. Did people show up or not, right? How many? And then all the reports are there. So, you know, he can mix and match and do many things that he would like to do. So those are some of the things we, we kind of, uh, you know, track. Uh, on the medical front, obviously at our labs, uh, you know, we track uh, the pre-analytical errors, which means before the sample goes into the lab, into the machine, we make sure that the sample is uh, 100% uh, in its right form, right? Because if, if it's damaged or polluted, then the results uh, can be different. So at, at our backend labs, we have a whole bunch of metrics that we do. Uh, then we also have a complaint management system. So the complaints all come to me. And that's one thing that I realized which is very different in healthcare versus other industries, at least during my previous stints, is I learned to handle or to read all those complaints myself, right? And be on top of them for the first three, four years till I got somebody else to be on top of them. Because A, it gives you real-time feedback of what customers don't like about your service, B, it also, when you act on it or you get your team members to act on it, they start building neurons in their, in their brain to say that, hey, this is not right. This is the way I should do it, right? And, and try and prevent the same thing happening again. And I think C, very important, are cultures of saying that the customer is the most important person, right? I think that even though it's healthcare, right, uh, we are yet to reach that stage, uh, right? So... If I, if I were to say that from the banking in terms of customer service, we were at, let's say, 10x, right? We gave 10x worth of service. In healthcare, straight away 30x. But even that 30x is not enough 
from a, from what the customer wants so you you have to keep evolving and getting to that level that the consumer wants the patient wants or the consumer wants and what does he want essentially from healthcare he wants somebody to be nice to him he wants somebody to talk to him and say this is what i need to do this is where you need to do he needs hand holding physical hand holding at least the customers who come to the clinic right he needs to be told and the biggest challenge in healthcare is people we don't communicate enough with the consumer right and i think that's our next level of growth is how do we communicate more and more both digitally but even more important physically because they're coming in right they made the effort to come in or even if they've called a phlebotomist at home how does he communicate right because people when they have illnesses they want information till that illness illness is either resolved or solved right so they need that doctor access uh, you know they want to whatsapp uh, you know ask him questions on whatsapp three four times after they left the clinic right they so they would really love it if he was available 24 by 7 yeah Which actually i'm loving what? i'm loving what you're saying because uh, you know uh, having worked with a few few of the seniors you know who actually read complaints i think what you said was just bang on and that's so so important because you're hearing straight from the customer to you it's not data it is not scores Correct. it is not statistics it's not numbers it is what a person is feeling you know and in Absolutely. this whole digital world somewhere we lose out on emotions it's you know it comes by number okay yes tick this is your problem then this is what you know i will solve for you i'll try and solve for you but when a person is taking the trouble to write i'm sure he puts in a lot of his emotions into it and uh, that's like uh, i think a very very good practice uh, in my uh, you know is what i really believe in that the way to touch or to get the real information is the direct interaction and reading the complaint True. fully i think that Correct. is uh, done wonders and asking the right questions right uh, trying not to sound uh, too uh, cynical about it but uh, telling the telling your managers that this gentleman has a has a point he's making a valid point and even if the valid point is not is you know you may complain about it being a saturday and there will be 500 people in the clinic at the end of the day he doesn't care he has he's paid you he's paid for a service a certain level of service he expects it so you figure out a way to solve for it and the other right? leg of this is also see one is getting the complaint and reading it the second is asking the right questions or rather asking questions at all to the people who do the work because you know there's this other tendency of forwarding it and then someone looks at it and someone solves it and you know uh, the leader really not getting information on what exactly went wrong so you know finding the uh, i also think that who you ask the question to is also very important because it's not the person who has done the mistake because they or maybe even i don't know how it works on your side but even on the business side you know someone comes and explains that okay look this is what happened but getting to the person who like give you the real real information yes and uh, i think uh, after doing the investigation i think actually just before that it i think if if i reply to the customer and say hey we're really sorry we're looking into it and it goes to my desk uh, or my head of service desk immediately it it has a different impact the person believes that you are serious about his complaint 
right? Uh, it may and he may give you 24 hours or 48 hours, right? So uh, uh, it is in yeah and and see we run a very distributed network across 55 cities. Uh, we also run these clinics are managed by our franchisee business partners as well, right? And in healthcare, uh, you know the you know we are one of I think maybe one or two uh, you know. Uh, providers uh, who do franchising, apart from obviously the diagnostic players, uh, but all our franchisee partners are hardcore businessmen who who have run successful businesses which involve people and customers, right? So for for me, for them also, you know, we track their NPS and we educate them and say, you know, because it's part of our protocol, and we say, hey, this is not your, you know, two-wheeler sales business. This is not your traditional trading business this is a people business and your brand will be made or broken in one year not beyond that right it is not you know there are enough and more options for people in india at, at least in the top 25 cities uh, healthcare unfortunately is 85 percent unorganized and it's at private healthcare is unorganized, but it's still working, right? Uh, uh, right, and public healthcare is becoming better by the day. And it's also very com- competitive because uh, you know, I mean, uh, see, I'm quite a stickler, so I like to go to a particular, uh, you know, if I have uh, the quarterly blood test that you know, sometimes you try some health experiment and then you want to check if it's working or not. So you keep going to the same uh, provider. But uh, what I've seen recently is that a message pops up from somewhere. Oh, in seven ninety nine, you can do all this stuff, and then you say, okay, well, I might as well try because uh, what's the harm? At least in diagnostics, if you're running at something at eighty, you think if it's eighty two or seventy eight, it's fine. I mean, whether X is giving it or Y is giving it, so there's a lot of competition. Also, I mean, I I think it's like really that's pure true. competition. That, that's that's true, and it's good for the cons- uh, for the consumer <laughs> for the customer, right? Uh, as it is, out-of-pocket expenses in India are yeah. uh, are reasonably high. Yeah. There's no OPD insurance. We're hoping someday it'll come, mm. like it's there in the West, right? So, healthcare expenditure can wreck uh, people's finances. Oh right? yeah, uh, oh, it's yes. not an easy thing, and COVID has unfortunately, uh, you know, shown us that. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So, Anand, I'm just uh, you know. Um, uh, what I'm understanding from your conversation is that you have very successfully deployed all your learnings from telecom and banking into, you know, the work that you're doing now. It's really coming out and when you're speaking, because I can imagine, you know, yeah, this is what is to happen in banking and you can apply, uh, apply quite a but bit. There are, but there are a few things I learned from healthcare, which I never knew. One yes, is, that you must uh, one is customer service is a, diff, it is in, in a healthcare Unless you feel it where you, it's not going to, you know, you'll not really realize. Mm-hmm. Unless you feel that patient's pain, you have to feel it. And that's what I felt when I first came in. in you know, and I used to wonder, uh, why does my, uh, you know, my senior is concerned when I first came into healthcare? Why is he concerned about every complaint that comes to his desk? <laughs> and in the total, we used to get 50 complaints in a month versus doing 50,000 transactions or 1 lakh transactions and we've been trained, right, analytically to say it's 0.001. It's okay. You're okay. still doing a fantastic job. But I think, uh, you know, people in healthcare who are really truly there to serve customers, right, uh, I could, to some extent, uh, imbibe some of that pain and therefore understand. 
some of that i can't say i have all of it but unless you imbibe that pain you will not have this uh, this view right you'll still run your ops by numbers then and right. that to my mind is is a big uh, red flag in healthcare no no you're right you have exactly. to look at it every customer no, even and, in uh, even in sorry to cut you uh, even in uh, you know i think in any industry see we give ourselves comfort that you know we work out percentages and things like that in any industry it's very important to also track volume the absolute number because that absolute number is the number of people who got affected you might run a very large industry you might run a large company but eventually it is the absolute number of complaints that you got and i think that's you're you're right absolutely right that's really the, very important uh, the second thing i learned was that you know the people who are uh, people who work in the health industry are really uh, at a different level in terms of empathy uh, you know that i think is very important and that that also allowed me to become a better manager better leader of people right of of myself first obviously myself and then of the team because that level of empathy uh, in in other organizations you'll find it i'm not saying you won't but you won't find it so widespread so empathy by nurses by staff they work beyond their time do extra stuff take the frustrations of the customer on their head right see it's one thing to lose money right money is replaceable for example in the bank you make a mistake you transfer funds but it's a whole different ball game if you're pricked twice while taking blood you suddenly lose your composure as much composed as you were as you are as a regular human being elsewhere you so they have to take that and yet they have to say okay we're sorry you know we're it's a mistake they say how can you make a mistake uh, and and obviously you are you know doctors nurses everybody is is expected not to make a mistake right and that kind of puts a huge amount so empathy and third is this willingness to you know keep your personal challenges secondary to your work to your and 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 i've seen that in covid i mean people have walked and fought police on the uh, uh, at the barricades to reach their clinics because our view was that even if there is a lockdown the clinics will remain open because if somebody needs help where is he going to go and to get our people from their homes and and to make them come right people say they are frontline employees yeah they should do it's their job i appreciate i agree it's their job but they also have this fear right what will happen to me the first wave what will happen to me who is going to take care of me i live in a room with four people i have only two rooms in my house if i have something how do i get quarantined what do i do and that's where i think organizations really stepped in and helped everyone i think all organizations across the globe very commendable job actually in fact i think whoever worked to help anyone i think it's i mean it's it's beyond our uh, normal uh, you know thinking people have i think uh, just a a uh, regular transaction or a regular work that people did during covid times was you know amplified multiple times in terms of effort it really and i'll tell you and i'll tell you there's one more thing that the healthcare industry that we at apollo did when the first wave came there were no customers coming in ha huh. 
and you uh, and you know that once you've gone to a hospital or a clinic and you come back that's it there's no relation till the next time you go to the hospital or yeah, the clinic right yeah that was one there's thing no relation. yes there's no relation so so what we did and i had been wanting to do this since the time i joined i said why is there no relationship beyond uh, the transaction that has happened so covid gave us this opportunity and i was trying to do it before covid uh, but faced a lot of resistance but during covid people had no work to do in the clinics so mm. we asked all of them we said pick up a list of your customers call them up and ask them do you need help we're not a sales organization the question is very simple ask them do you need help yeah. what can we do to help you and i am telling you we spent that entire year the first year every day people from clinics were calling customers and customers loved it they started they were because nobody else in the industry was doing this they felt so good saying oh thank you you called ha can you do this for me and then those queries started coming then those requests started coming right and online and, and I, yes i mean that happened after a few months but we the, the idea was to tell them we're here for you you've come to my clinic once we know who you are we know there is a pandemic and we're trying to call and find out is there something you want and and you know we delivered we sent nurses home we sent doctors home we told them the clinics are open so they could come and that i think was in my mind something that really engendered these customers back to the apollo brand or to loyalty us. loyalty concept right right uh, yeah. because yeah, you know otherwise there was no yeah. space in the hospitals people were being turned away for lack of beds so i think this relationship is something in healthcare that i think needs to be nurtured both digitally and physically and obviously now the digital uh, options have also come in where you're connected via an app if you download the 24 yeah. apollo 247 app but i think the physical connection is also important so you have a bunch of customers who like digital connections and then you have a bunch of customers who say yeah i'd i'd like to go talk to this person in the clinic or this doctor in the clinic right yeah. so i think we we've, we've got to do both yeah yeah right so anand i think uh, in all that you've told me you have covered like you know uh, most of the questions that i had in my mind and much more than uh, you know what i was thinking of and it's really very interesting i was you know uh, wanting to talk to you all the time uh, you know precisely for this reason that how do we connect industries what is it that we can pick up from one and put to the other and what are the learnings of one because i remember like i'm talking ab- uh, about say 2022 years ago or maybe even 25 years ago uh, when banking had you know when this new private sector banks had come that's 94 95 and also we used to look up to the hotel industry uh you know because we thought that they really gave very good service so what do they do we used to look up to the airline industry uh you know to see what we can learn from them and how do they manage it how does this consistency come and of course now the role models have changed all this digitization internet technology i mean it's it's changing and it's changing very fast so there's a lot of learning uh, from industries but i think at the end of the day what your what you're saying is that the fundamentals of human relations uh, and uh, you know understanding the customer remain the same irrespective of what we uh, you know used to uh, convey or what we used to uh, you know get information from them yeah the fundamentals do remain the same but i believe uh, one more fundamental that is starting to uh, shape up is that 
consumers are becoming more self-directed and and wanting less human interaction. Yeah. Uh, not for the sake of not wanting human interaction, but the sake of convenience, speed, and ease yeah. of getting things done. So you have a generation of people of consumers who are saying, if you can get it to me digitally, I'm I'm more than happy here. Right. You know. You you service me digitally uh, for things that can be serviced digitally. You know I'm 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 with you for life, mm. and it's also nice to know that you also have a physical outlet, yeah. <laughs> right? So there are certain things that I can't deliver digitally, but I can deliver phys- physically, and therefore the fundamental of distribution network still remains the same. Yes. If you don't have enough clinics across enough markets. Uh, you can only deliver so much right you can only deliver the physical aspect so much you may you digital you can deliver a lot of things across the country i don't know right? if you recollect uh, you know there was a time when uh, people used to talk about branchless banking so everyone yeah. you know there was this whole idea that what you know you don't need branches at all but you still need branches Correct. it's been so many years you may reduce the number you may increase the number you may you know we still like to go to restaurants though we can get food home exactly so consume so so you have to keep kind of uh, uh, understanding consumer behavior change every couple of years uh, and and the healthcare customer uh, you know is 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 not so easy to read right because you get to see him once maybe in a year at least at the clinic level and right? also because when the situation is not very good see normally there are very few right. people who do preventive healthcare most of the people come to you when yeah yeah something when they have a problem right right so but i think i'm seeing a certain amount of change where people are saying hey okay let me do a health check once a year at least right so that's level 1 of preventive healthcare uh, which is fine you know which is something that's changed over the last 7 8 years uh, and largely because corporates kept on you know uh, making sure the employees remained healthy through the health checks program and i think it's also now moving into the retail space uh, like you were mentioning 799 can also be a health check Uh, a, a, a different kind of a health check, but nonetheless, uh, in a thousand rupees, you could do a whole bunch of tests, uh, which can tell you a lot of things. So, I think one has to keep uh, the consumer at the center uh, and try and understand him as much as you can and deliver as much as uh, he wants. Thank you so much, Anand. It's been a really, really learning conversation from you, and I'm sure the listeners will uh, benefit. and we'll connect again when we need some more uh, some more service operations related uh, you know um, deeper information from you sure satender wish you thank all the you. very best thank you so much for having me on your thank show thank you my pleasure uh, it was wonderful connecting with all of you same here same here